Hello and welcome to another episode of the FPL Hangover Podcast where we raise the bar and lower the tone, all things FPL related. This week we're coming back after the last international break until the new year. We're fully rested and we are ready to dive back into some FPL nonsense. Now, there has been some dramatic events in the last 24 hours and we're actually pretty uh, pretty stoked to be able to record this afterwards because... We really have a, a whole new picture to look at before game week 13. And here to look at this picture with me is my podcast partner in crime, Seamus. How are you getting on, my friend? Yeah, very good. Very good. How are you keeping? I'm good. How did the international break go for you? Yeah, quite well. Quite well. Took it easy. Now, um, as I said, I, I probably always say, I'm repeating myself, ready to attack the next few game weeks. But there's no international break coming in four weeks' time, so that's the best part of it. This is, we were talking about before we used to hit the record button, and this is like a season within a season stage mm. of uh, of FPL, because it's make or break time. You know, the next, what is it, I read, read somewhere, something like nine game weeks in the next 40 days or something like that? Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be fucking, uh, yeah, it's going to be balls to the wall fucking FPL, uh, you know news yeah. and, and scores I'm really looking forward to it. it's my favourite part of the FPL season and it really separates the the uh, kind of the, the hurt do you know what I mean it kind of you start seeing by the end of Christmas who's where where they need to be and one of the things that we discussed was how it affects your game uh, you know post Christmas how it affects your game from there on yeah this will be like the thinning of the herd it's all very close together at the moment and it has been for the last few weeks you might have seen some teams pull away but where you're going to be after, so we said nine game weeks, where you're going to be after game week uh, 22 is going to kind of really affect where your goals for the season are. It's all well and good saying I've had a poor start, but I'm still hoping to get, you know, top 100K, top 50K, top 20K, whatever your goal is. But if you're still at 1 million after game week 22, yeah. you can't be honestly saying, well, I still want to get top 50K. Maybe you can do it, but it's going to take a lot of hard work and more luck then you really want to be relying on. Well, that's what I mean by it changes your approach. Because I don't, I wouldn't say you shouldn't be saying I want to get top fifty k if you're at one million after Christmas. But how you're going to try and get to that top fifty k is all like you're going to have to be going with your kind of differential captains. You know, you'll have to have a lot more swords in your team than shields, as the, the yeah, analogy goes. Some players are like that. Some players are very, uh, as you say, sword heavy. Yeah. Um, that's not how I play. I said, I have a mix of swords and shields and, you know, you've got your some template picks and I just try and get on to what I think is going to be the template before it actually emerges. And then hopefully if I do it correctly, like I did with my forwards a few weeks back, I've got the template forward line and I can work, work on my transfers in midfield and defense if I need to. And yeah, as I said, my goal right now, even after a poor start, is still top 50K. If I was in a good position at Christmas, I might even kind of go, well, you know what, maybe I can get top 20k or top 30k, which is kind of what I was my preseason goal. Yeah. But yeah, if I'm like still or like 700k, like after like New Year's or something like that, then I'm not going to be honestly saying, okay, I want to finish top 50k. It's going to be maybe it'd be double that, but it'll be like top 100k would yeah. be my goal then at that stage because I never really finished outside top 100k. My goal never changes, James. It's number one all the way. Yeah, it probably should, though. No, it should not. And I will never change. Uh, but uh, getting back to a bit of reality, you had an interesting week this week. You got to go up and watch the, the boys in green play their Euro qualifying match. Yeah, uh, and cheers. Uh, shout out to Owen Carl there for sorting us with tickets. We got, like, corporate tickets, box tickets in the presidential box. Mm. So I was only... Uh, 
a few meters, that's yards to our American listeners, away <laughs> from uh, the president, Michael D. Yeah, that and was your chance, Seamus. Yeah, that was, uh, as Eamon said, my chance to snatch him up in a rucksack and haul him away and try and see if he reveal where his pot of gold is yeah no, you fucking blew it I might add I wouldn't do that to the man yeah <laughs> too much respect but you must I did take a snaky pick I saw that yeah. uh, at one stage and uh, but yeah there was other celebrities in the room who else was Rob there Mario Rosenstock from mm. Gift Grub was there um, did you keep bugging him for an impression no like do I, me do me do me. <laughs> do me I don't know you I don't know you <laughs> go on I say off of racist things yeah. in my spare time yeah <laughs> uh, there was also Keith Andrews in the room, um, who looks surprisingly fresh. He's a very young man, actually. Like, he like looks he's the same age as me, but like he's obviously ten years older, or whatever. But he um, he's been keeping fit for a living. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know the way some professional footballers, you could say that about Ronaldo. Look at old Ronaldo now. Like, oh yeah, but he's just happy to be able to you know do what he wants now. Exactly, and yeah. I, I think a lot of footballers go like that. But some go the way of like. Michael Carrick and Keith Andrews and Keith Fit, but yeah, he was there. Um, I didn't want to be that guy going around going, "Hey, can I get a selfie?" But people, but no, I didn't. I left it. Uh, and uh, who else was there? It was like some RT commentator guy I recognised. Well, guy, That's it was like cool. the Sunday game or something like that. What was the atmosphere like after the game? I'd say it was uh, a bit of a heavy one. Yeah, it was good. No, I had to hightail it to get the train back down to Limerick afterwards. Um, pretty quickly, but uh, it was a um, was a good all night and complimentary you- beer, good food. Best seats in the house. You yeah, that was great. And Ireland playing a good attacking performance. Yeah, performance. one of the best performances I've seen come out of the national team in fucking years. So that was uh, that was always uh, kind of going to be our key talking point or key distraction in the international break was going to be the Irish qualifying match. But that's said and gone. And there's a whole new distraction after opening it up. And it's one that uh, we got a couple of questions on this week. We're not going to do a drunk tank. We got something special planned instead. But one that everyone seems to be uh, kind of pointing us towards and, and hinting at. And DJ Newton reached out. I think FPL Chieftain was there as well. And they're, they're asking, what do we think? Mourinho is going to do at Spurs so for anyone who has been living under a football rock for the last couple of days hours even Mourinho uh, Spurs have sacked Pochettino Mourinho has been his replacement and now the landscape of Spurs in the FPL looks a little bit different Chavis than it did the last time we recorded yeah I don't think I had much intention to speak about Spurs at all until this news broke and now it's like oh now we gotta think about this uh, again so first of all I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they got rid of Pochettino from uh, from Spurs. And then I realized, wait, this is brilliant. Hopefully that means, you know, United are in for Pochettino. Dead. Yeah, and then uh, and then Mourinho was appointed as well. So obviously they only appointed Mourinho or sacked him, because sacked Pochettino because they had already approached Mourinho and found out he was interested. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think about the, we'll talk about the appointment rather than the sacking because we're kind of more interested in the FPL things with to begin with, at least. Yeah, what, what kind of reverberations is this going to have for FPL Spurs assets? And looking at it, I mean, I think we both kind of chuckled because you, you said to me before we started recording about will there be, uh, you know, that new manager bounce for Spurs? And I kind of just instantly dismissed it and was like, the new manager is Mourinho. Do you know, so what are we expecting here? Uh, him to come out and want Spurs to win 5-6-0? Is he going to let the horses run free or whatever? But... The thing is, they've got the squad that they could, and the players could have a reaction to like, oh, we've got a new manager here. Like the likes of Christian Eriksen, uh, Toby Alvarez, Eric Dyer. Well, Deli Ali, I think, has been trying. He just hasn't been great lately. But those guys, like I mentioned, Alvarez, Dyer, uh, Eriksen, these are guys that think of like, 
we're only trying 80 percent here you yeah. know they we're just not motivated we want to move on we have to be here we'll do our job but like they're not putting in that extra 20 percent that's going to make you that makes all the difference at the top level and uh, i think this could be enough for them to tweak it up a small bit so we know they can bang goals. Yeah, if you look at ahead to their fixtures, the next five matches have <coughs> Spurs going away to West Ham, at home to Bournemouth, away to United, at home to Burnley, and away to Wolves. So they're not bad fixtures uh, to be coming into. But I don't know if I'm if I can speak for you here, Seamus. But as far as I'm concerned, it's very much a wait and see what the fuck Mourinho does, as it is when you know a new manager approaches the team for me usually. Yeah, I'm not going to get anyone this week, but I'd be watching that West Ham game. With interests this week, because if it looks like there is a bit of a bounce, I could be on it. Now, I will say this. The only option I said that was potentially somebody I'd be interested in for Spurs the last few weeks was Son. Yeah. But even at his price, I wasn't sure. If it looks like there's a bit of a bounce, Son becomes much more appealing. And I'd consider Harry Kane. That's what I was going to say. Does this bring Harry Kane back into contention? I mean, obviously, we're kind of talking hypothetically here, which is a bit of a pain in the balls if you're doing yeah. a podcast. But it is something that needs to be discussed. And you know that that's what's going through FPL managers' minds right now. It's like, what? Like When you look at past performers in FPL, first spurs, you have the likes of Hakeem. You have the likes of Ali, Ericsson. I wouldn't be too much worried about Eric Dyer because you're never going to be looking at him as an FPL option. But mm. in terms of what they can deliver, like there is a, a history of Spurs being you know, fruitful for attacking returns. I wouldn't be surprised to see Josie Mourinho get the best out of Harry Kane, you know, mm. again, and Harry Kane to be smashing him in. But it depends. As I said, Kane's role under Pochettino would just see him dropping deeper quite a lot, you know, and linking up the play. And under Mourinho, he could just be like, you just stay in the box, man. It could be like, if this ended up being a Brendan Rodgers doing what he's done to Jamie Vardy since he's come in at Leicester, then, you know, Harry Kane could be gold. But so, you have, do you still have a Bamiyang? I still have a Bamiyang. See, I don't know. That's the obvious move to go from a Bamiyang to Kane. Or I guess if you still have Aguero, Aguero to Kane. Well, you see, the big thing is, uh, like, with all of this Spurs uh, news and, and uh, coverage, it's, it's kind of skipping over the fact that, uh, you know, the horse that we've been beaten for the last week or two, and that's the Sterling uh, Mane kind of conundrum in terms of how do we go? Because neither of us have a Liverpool attacking asset at the moment outside of uh, Trent. So how do we go back to maybe, or do we go back to, to getting in a, an attacking midfielder? And I think for me, that's why this whole like Aubameyang to Kane, Spurs, kind of how do you get Sun in? I'm going to put that in the back burner because I still need to focus on what I'm doing with the two teams that are challenging for the title. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree, I agree. It is an interesting, just only because we got asked a question and this is a new development, it's the only reason to be looking at it. Probably, as you said, with uh, Spurs, you said before the pod, you can expect, you would probably expect more 1-0 wins than 5-0 yeah. wins. And that does make the likes of uh, their offensive assets more interesting, like Gazaniga. But yes, yes, I'm yes, not yes. sure about the rest of their defenders because we don't know who his favorite's going to be. He could have Sanchez in there every week. So I don't know. But getting back, yeah, the Liverpool things, you moved on to Liverpool's upcoming great run of fixtures. What do they got? Crystal Palace here away in game week 13. Isn't the easiest of games. That'll be tight, I imagine. When Crystal Palace are at home, they love to play in the counter attack. Liverpool have struggled against those guys in the last couple of seasons at times. Well, Liverpool are kind of coming out of their tough run of fixtures, which is kind of what promoted <clears throat> myself and yourself to to maybe jump off of uh, the the Salah 
kind of train at that time. And you're looking forward, as you said, away to Crystal Palace this weekend. At home to Brighton, though, in game week 14. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to expect a lot of goals in that match. Yeah, Brighton. Then you've got the Merseyside derby against Everton in game week 15. Away to Villa, who have been poor lately. No, no, and away to North- Bournemouth. Oh, excuse me. I, was, I looked at the Leicester fixture. Sorry. Away to Bournemouth, who also have been very leaky. And then at home to Watford. So, three out of the next five are good, strong home games. The away games aren't too bad. This will be the hardest of them, I would imagine. Yeah. Those are five strong games. And when I compare that to what Man City have in the next five, I have to think that Sadio Mane is going to outscore Sterling and De Bruyne in that that time period. So, like, to, to say City's next five, Chelsea are at home this weekend... Newcastle away, Burnley away, and then Man United at home, followed by an away match to Arsenal. So yeah, as you said, tr- far trickier fixtures than Liverpool are facing. Yeah, the Chelsea game, I expect them to win. Yeah, me too. Um, Chelsea have been a really good run, so maybe I'm just not appreciating them enough. But I don't think they've been tested against the likes of Man City this season. And when they were tested against Ajax, they were losing quite you know badly until... Ajax had two guys sent off. So, yeah, I think City could could really do them. You saw United smash uh, Chelsea there if uh, Man City get an early goal. So that must be wrecking your head then in terms of whether you keep Sterling or not. Because I know yeah. if I was asking a question this week, the big one is, you know, for me, and you've seen a lot of, a lot of people discussing it, is Sterling, uh, you know, do you keep onto him or has he dried up? Is he a season keeper? What are your views on that, James, in terms of, you know, season keepers? And is that really just kind of a myth that we all kind of buy into? Someone's only a season keeper if they're like ripping it up week in, week out. Exactly. So, like, Sterling has not been doing that. I have, uh, I was looking at it there just to make a comparison. Um, like, if I look at what the last five game weeks, I've kept Sterling and KDB. Sterling's got me 21 points in those five weeks, just over four points a game. Yeah. And KDB has gotten me 13 points in those five game weeks, which is like two and a half points a game. Both quite poor returns. Um, I've had more from Mount in the last five game weeks than I've had from KDB. Now, KDB didn't play one of those games. But in the last nine, last actually, I think 10 or 11 games, Sterling's only had one double-digit haul. Yeah. Uh, so when you compare that to Mane, you know, he's had three in that same period. Um, Manny, uh, oh, and Manny has had 38 points in the last five, which is the main point. So if you had, if I had been with Manny, I'd be like, what, 17 points better off. And now Manny's fixtures are turning. So with three home games, the next five, I think I convinced myself while doing this analysis that, yeah, I should, like Sterling, even though I said it's our season, I'll just keep him all year. I think, but like Manny is showing the better form and he's got the better fixtures. So those are both the things you look at, right? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, for me to kind of, a lot of people looking at Sterling and have a double up of Sterling and KDB, like I agree with everything you said there about Sterling versus Mane. So the question for me was like, which city asset do I step down from? Do yep, I step same. down from KDB or Sterling? And a big deciding factor, and you can tell me whether you think this is wrong or it should be, but it's the value I have invested in KDB. The fact that I got in there at 9.5 and I think he's 10.2 now, uh, like I step away from KDB, getting back to that is a whole different ball game. With Sterling, he's twelve. I got him at twelve. He might even be eleven point nine by the time I try to get him back in. Do you know? Yeah. So, do you ever take like that kind of invested value into consideration, or should you take it into consideration? I mean, I do if I'm thinking I might want to get back on this train here in a while. But which, you, which you very easily would want, may want it with a KDB or a Sterling. But you're not going to. Get, this is the thing. You're not going to get KDB out this week if you say you do want to do that to get him back in next week no, are you? no but so you would but if you're getting him in like in four weeks time with seven yeah. cities fixtures turn back around you'll have made so many transfers in that 
time, you'll surely have freed up the like 0.3 or whatever million. Assuming if, if KDB does go down, maybe he doesn't go down. But if you get what, 9.5, you'll get 9.8 for him. So you just got to make a 0.4. I don't think he is going to go down. You saw what happened when he picked up that knock. Fucker yeah, went up. <laughs> maybe, maybe. And look, he plays with Man City, so he's just like, he's one double-digit haul away from going up in price again. Yeah, And like, I, I think I was listening uh, to probably Planet FL this weekend. They mentioned that a third of the game is now officially dead. So uh, you can count in two thirds of managers that are like left. So you got to imagine KDB is a in a certain earned. percentage yeah. of those kind of... True. Uh, top dead teams. Yeah, I think, I think if I was planning on getting back in for a down the line, that would be a factor on my mind. But it's harder than to get too many from De Bruyne. You have to find this extra few million. If you have it, fair enough. But I do think that, like, I can do both. That's what De Bruyne asking, yeah. or Sterling. But I could do Sterling in not quite one move. I'd still have to make two moves. I have two free transfers this week, and Adam has to go. So I'm lose- talking about losing two City players this week. And I have to decide whether I want to go Sterling and Otamendi to Mane and Robertson, Mm -hmm. which seems like a great upgrade. Or do I just get rid of KDB and make him Mane and then change Otamendi to somebody like, possibly like Yanmat or someone who's 4.3. You know, it could be Rico or something like that as well. But um, do I do that? Or what I could do is I could just get uh, Tamorian for Chelsea. And like they've got great fixtures after this week as well. So I could do that, but I haven't decided. And if I did go for De Bruyne, I'm sure I could probably with a few transfers down the line, free up another 0.4 million if I needed to get back in De Bruyne. I'm only losing uh, 0.2 in him because I got him at 9.8, so I'd sell him at 10. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I don't think you're losing as much as I am. But I do uh, understand your rationale there. And uh, to go from Otamendi... And Sterling to Manny and Robertson, that does sound like a pretty fucking decent step up, doesn't it? I think having looked at it, I've been saying, look, will I get Manny in? Or will... The one thing I'm worried about is that whole... That every manager worries about. Oh, not only do I have to worry about the guy I'm getting in, but what happens to the guy I get out? What happens if Sterling goes on an absolute tear as soon as I get rid of him? What I'm saying about that is Man City haven't been looking great since they've lost Laporte at the back. Um... Obviously, there's a thing with Mendy. I'm not sure how often he can tr- uh, he can play. Sterling has been... He's looked good, but he hasn't got attacking returns. And they just haven't looked exactly on it. They've lost game like a few games already this season. And the evidence is there. He's got one double-digit haul, which was from one goal. Mm-hmm. He got 11 points a couple weeks back. He's got that. one <laughs> double-digit haul in, like, in the last, I think, 11 games. I think after game week one, where he got 20 points. Uh, but that was different. Man City were playing much better then so with upcoming games Chelsea could be tough that Man United game could be tough and then Arsenal away may be tough (laughs) even Newcastle away Newcastle have frustrated a lot of teams this year you know they're quite defensive Burnley are quite defensive they're both at home you'd expect both of these guys both of these teams to park the bus and if Man City are struggling to break teams down these could be low-scoring affairs. They win. They can win these games. They can also, you know, they lost to Crystal Palace last year, things like that. So, I'm with you, Seamus. I'm like uh, you're preaching to the choir there in terms of the city uh, conundrum. I'm willing to kind of step away from Sterling because I have KDB, so I think I'm mm-hmm. gonna, you know, covered it. But the difference between me and you is I have 11 million tied up in an Aubameyang that yeah. I can, 
that I don't in, I didn't intend on having <laughs> at this stage of the season. And now I as I mentioned in the last episode, I'm looking at game week 13, 14, 15, even 16, and I'm thinking Southampton, Norwich, Brighton, West Ham. I can't get rid of him away like in those matches. Like I'm there's a very strong possibility I'm captain in Aubameyang this week. Yeah, I, I think if I was in your position, I would. Which yeah. is hard because he hasn't scored in a few games and he's been kind of poor. But he scored two, oh, he scored two games, games ago, didn't he? But, he? but that was his only run. goal in yeah. like four or five. But to bring it back, if you wanted to get Kane in, that would be the obvious move. But I wouldn't get rid of Aubameyang in that spell, no matter how bad Arsenal are playing. This is where he'll start scoring. He's last year's golden boot winner. Yeah. Do you know? So, and uh, <laughs> I think, so for me... That's why the Sterling thing has come into my into my thinking. It never was. It was always bring uh, Aubameyang down and Mane in. If Aubameyang had scored like a few goals in this last run and they had a good spell, but just didn't get any. Um, wouldn't be thinking twice about. They it. didn't play well. Like they had good runs. Yeah, you wouldn't be thinking twice about this. But now I suppose it's in there. Now we've talked about the Man City players. We're talking about potentially getting rid of. What yeah. about the players to bring in? Man City or sorry, Liverpool players. Well, that's what Mane and I think you mentioned Robertson. Yeah, but Salah at the moment has got an ankle knock, so you got to consider him a no-go. But does that dent Mane's attacking potential? I don't think so. Um, I really don't think so. I read a few kind of theories about how that could have an impact. I feel like the majority of Mane's goals aren't really affected by Salah. Do you know, it's not like... They don't assist each other. They don't assist each other too much. They don't really play beside each other. Assuming that they find some, you know, someone steps in on the right flank to kind of fill the void I can see you know basically what I'd imagine is that Mane gets all the action from now on as in like he's going to be their target man himself or Firmino not uh... the problem is with that yeah. and I agree they don't set each other up they actually just seem to like not like passing each oh, other yeah they almost but don't like playing each other <laughs> with Salah on the right and Mane on the left coming in from the left with um, Salah out injured that means they've one less player to worry about because the person that's going to come in there for him is probably going to be Origi or, you know, potentially Alex uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Yeah, and I heard Shaqiri's kind of come back from injury a bit. Uh, oh, is he? I thought he was still injured. No, I think he was announced there uh, in the last day or two that he has upped his game and he's training again or something like that. If he's able to play, that could make a difference. But seeing as he has played like pretty much nothing this season so far and he's been struggling with that injury, I'd fully expect Origi to come in. And when Origi has come in and played, let's say, on the left and Manny's been on the right a bit or maybe they've swapped I don't know yeah. but uh, when that has happened they have looked more blunt because I think teams go well we only have we've only got two guys really to worry about here we won't worry about Origi too much as much whereas with Salah that took one whole defender's attention yes. away and like a second defender was keeping an eye on him too so that allowed Manny to arrive in the box make his run he only had to beat one guy now he might have to beat two so it's a bit of a worry all that being said I still expect them to pick up Mostly wins in the next five. Let me ask you a question. Who's going to get more points in the next five? Aubameyang or Mane? So, like we mentioned, Arsenal, home to Southampton, Norwich, Brighton and West Ham. I think Mane. I think Mane is just doing what Salah was doing previously. I think the last, this year, 2019, Mane has been unbelievable. And I think he's just at that level now and he's maintaining that level. And he has this self-belief at the moment that, I think it's going to be close, though. I think Mane's going to... I thought you were going to ask was, who's going to score more, Mane or Sterling. And I was like, I have to think Mane. Yeah. So that's why I'm thinking, just make, that, just make that transfer. So I think Mane's definitely coming in, even though I was considering not touching him. I, I'm i worried about the amount of games that they're going to play 
in the next uh, 40 days with, um, you know, cup games as well because they've got to go to the World Club Championships. I think that's in game week 19, but I'm not going to worry about that now. I think for the next five, I think they can manage it. And I think, yeah, Manny to come in, Fayed Aubameyang be holding him. If you can get, yeah, I think I'd just do Sterling to, to Manny if you can do that move. Do you have money in the bank? I do not have money in the bank, but I am sitting on a, a hefty... Hefty uh, Aubameyang. He's kind of basically where I'm pretending I have money. Do you have two frees? Or? I have two frees, though. Oh, yeah, yeah so you I can do it. And I've got a Yarmolenko problem that I need to solve. Uh, so, yeah, look, we're not going to get bogged down too much in what we're thinking of specifically for Game Week 13. But one of the kind of fun bits about doing a preview episode, and they're rare enough, we really only do them after international breaks because we, we do the two episodes. So my favourite part of doing a preview episode is the fact that we have that little bit more time to play with. And that just gives us, you know, a little bit of a chance to look at something slightly different. And what you've done this week, Seamus, uh, is you've looked at some teams with really nice fixture runs coming up. Now, we've discussed the likes of Arsenal there, really nice fixture run. We've discussed how well Liverpool's fixture run is. But there's a couple of other teams you pointed out uh, before we started recording. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Do you want to hit out some there? Yeah, this was just because I'm looking at my transfers, what to do now. It seems like pretty nailed I'm going to go for... Uh, at least one Liverpool player possibly two as I said I could go for Robertson but he has got um, an injury that ruled him out of the Scotland game but if I don't go for Robertson then I'm looking at who else has got nice fixtures like I mentioned Tomori and yeah the good fixture run teams that are there are still some of the teams that were had good fixtures last week and the week before so you're talking about the likes of Chelsea still have a pretty good run now they've got Man City away this week but after that it's West Ham at home Villa at home Everton away Bournemouth at home so yeah. those are three lovely home games in the next four so people are talking about getting rid of Mount I'm not sure scored for England during the week did he? he I didn't did. even notice didn't yeah. Even notice it. yeah so I mean like I'm not sure he hasn't been looking as attacking since Pulisic has come in and kind of taken that space on the left but yeah I'm still looking to kind of have a couple of I'm going to keep Mount um yeah. And if that becomes a problem, I'll move him on. But yeah, I still like uh, Chelsea attack the moment. Leicester, uh, who have been on you know great form recently. They've been, if you've dropped in rank in the last uh, few weeks, it's probably because you haven't had enough Leicester players in your team. Yeah, um, so they're away to Brighton, home to Everton, home to Watford, away to Villa and home to Norwich in the next five. I'm going to be tripled up on their players for that period as, uh, as well. You um, have the three, don't you? You have Sunku, Tielemans and Verdi. So you're yeah. set to go So for I'm that. set on that. Um, but if I didn't, I'd be looking there. Um, Arsenal, you mentioned already, but just three of the next uh, three of the next five are Southampton at home, uh, way to Norwich, Brighton at home. Then they've got a way to West Ham, which could be a good game. And then they've got a, an awkward home game against City. So if you're on them, I keep up on him, but he's the only one that really interests me. Yeah. Maybe a defender, like, as I said, somebody... Like Callum Chambers could be somebody I could look at if I want to go down from Otamendi to free up money. But 4.4 at the moment, Callum Chambers. And uh, what's interesting, though, and what also would worry me about bringing him in, and if I had him already, is that he's very much part of uh, Emery's three at the back system. Mm. We don't know how long that might last. That's the worry. If that changes to like just a normal standard four at the back, he could be the fall guy. I don't really know. And Emery could be sacked if he loses a couple of games. So, yeah. Who knows? Um, yeah, and then other than that, Wolves. I mentioned I got on Jimenez a few weeks ago, um, but I'd love an attacking defender from them, like Doherty, but probably not going to happen. Bournemouth away, Sheffield United at home, 
Darty's West, so expensive. West Ham, yeah, but I saw him score at the Aviva. And yes. I called it. I said, Ireland to win and Darty first goal scorer. So I was just off by... Did you put money on it? No, but that didn't oh, happen sure, anyway, sir. Yeah, the, the Danes guy, Danes scored. But if that didn't happen, I would have been, I would have been happy out. Uh, but yeah. You wouldn't have needed Michael Lee <clears throat> Higgins' pot of gold. No. I <laughs> uh, would have had Paddy Powers. One name, it. one team, sorry to cut across your shoes, but one team you've got on your list there, and it's it's a surprising one, and I'm sure you're going to get a few chuckles for it, <laughs> but Southampton. Yeah, yeah. I don't like recommending Southampton. Um, you've heard me giving out stink about Ings before in this podcast, uh, even though he's a good player, but yeah. So he's giving out Well, I was kind of saying a lot of people got on Ings, and I wasn't really buying it. Um their fixture swing is starting to come good now after this Arsenal game. Fully expect them to get nothing away to <laughs> Arsenal. But after that, then you've got Watford at home, you know, bottom of the league. Well, are they still bottom of the league? Maybe they've moved off it now with that recent win. Maybe, but they're uh, interchangeable with their next team. Yeah, Norwich, um, possibly bottom of the league. One of those two are <laughs> bottom of the league. Away to Newcastle, who, um, yeah, that they're a tough one to figure out this season. And then at home to West Ham. So they that's as good as their fixture run is going to get this year those uh those four games so it could be a time if you wanted to take an all punts on oh, i don't know who you want yeah. to go for there in midfield That's there's no one really was, ward prowse or if you want to go at redmond but i haven't seen any nah. shoots of optimism i made uh redmond my uh puck fodder pick last week and he didn't do anything but danny ings did do something and he got a goal so yeah danny ings could be a good option i think he's realistically the only uh, Southampton attacking an asset that I'd be looking at yeah I consider Gineppo I mean I don't know I can't, I'd have to check his price but if you're trying to come off Yarmolenko someone like Gineppo could be a decent option or yeah, if you wanted to go for War Prowse but you're kind of relying on penalties then and on penalties if Ings isn't on the pitch because I think Ings will take him ahead of War Prowse when he's there yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong but is has McCarthy taken the, the goalkeeping spot back he's 4.3 yeah. now yeah, so I mean, if you are kind of wanting to come off your keeper, I'm going to stick with Pope a bit longer. But if that is a problem for you, then yeah, maybe you want a lot of save points or something like that. Maybe that will work or out. Or maybe you have Tom Heaton and you're worried that you have no goalkeeper going into this weekend. Do you yeah. know? Uh, yeah. And for the next few, yeah, maybe uh, for 4.3, it would be worth a little punt after the Arsenal match. Yeah. But you were asking about Gineppo there. And he's coming in at a whopping uh, 5.2. Yeah, he could be an interesting option. Uh, he's looked good when he's come on. Yeah, so. I think yeah, we were, dwell- we're delving into making fools yeah, of it's, it, here. This is these are these are like your fourth <laughs> and fifth players on your team. Like, so I'm not kind of saying get on Gineppo, but yeah. I'm just saying these are players I might keep an eye out for. It'd be interesting to see if uh, Arsenal completely. Well, it, capitulate against Southampton this weekend if they oh, do then it might make Southampton players more yeah and I think you could pretty much kiss Emery goodbye if they, they capitulate against uh, Southampton this yeah. week but uh, you yeah, know there were some good uh, good kind of diff- like Southampton or not Southampton yeah Southampton I mean just thinking about them uh, as a FPL assets doesn't feel right but no, nonetheless I, I'd be more interested in Sheffield United that was the other team I didn't mention actually Sheffield United because they're actually showing a bit of form they're ahead of Arsenal yeah. and United in the league and people have been talking about Sheffield United all season regardless of fixtures in terms of their price point you can get in you get players in off of them that you don't even necessarily need to be playing every week and we don't need to start singing the praises of Lundstrom but that whole question that we got asked a couple of episodes ago about doubling up at, uh, on Sheffield United defenders I scoffed at it and now I feel a bit silly. <laughs> I think now would be the time to go on it. Yeah. But that being said, John Egan went off uh, for Ireland in uh, at halftime with a, an injury. So let's see how 
you know, he is because, you know, if he's injured, that could uh, affect the, the defence. Stop going on about the Ireland game, James. Okay. All right, for fuck's sake. Uh, <laughs> but look, that's uh, that's fantastic, Seamus. Uh, all the more food for me to eat. Food for thought. Food for thought. That's, oh, that's where you're going with that. That's where I was going with that, yeah. So now this is the part where we'd usually do the drunk tank. And as I mentioned at the top of the episode, we're not doing it this week. And we've got something special planned. At least we had something special planned. It's now slightly changed. So this week, ladies and gentlemen, you're seeing the reintroduction of the Stable Boys. <laughs> and I wanted to give a beef... a uh, beef... <laughs> a brief background on where this fucking came from because we've got we've picked up a, a good few new listeners this season and there's a good, good chance that they don't have a fucking clue what we're talking about when we start saying stable boys has this turned into some equestrian podcast no it hasn't uh what i've uh, basically where this has come from is my own personal kind of admiration and respect for osw review they're an Irish old school wrestling podcast and I got into them a couple of years ago. I've also noticed there seems to be a connection between, and you can probably back me up on this, Seamus, between FBL and WWE, WWF, whatever you want to call it, in the sense that a lot of man children played FBL. <laughs> a lot of man children loved their wrestling or loved it when it was decent, you know? So I, you see a lot of references throughout. I mean, you saw... Stone Cold 316 a couple of weeks ago. I've seen plenty of Undertaker gifts. I've seen gif, you know, wrestling references galore. I've seen a lot of players on the community and on Twitter anyway, at least, who seem to like FPL and wrestling. So there seems to be a bit of a crossover there. There does. There's a demographic there. There is. And this is aimed, hopefully, at like this part here is basically this recommendations for anyone out there who did or has or may ever have an interest in wrestling I would highly recommend the three Dublin lads OSW you can find them on YouTube they also have their own website uh, they just do vodcasts of wrestling pay-per-views and within those podcasts um, there is a little gem of a section called The Stable Boys so you know yourself Seamus in WWE a group of wrestlers is called a stable and now thanks to the FBL hangover your FPL players can also form a stable. That's right. We've done it. We've crossed them over so successfully that we haven't mentioned it in a year. You know? Yeah, I think we last <laughs> mentioned this was like, it was before the end of last season, probably March or April. But yeah, there's been about 25 episodes since we last mentioned it. We have a couple of stable boy members. We do. We inductees do. in our stable already. So what I wanted to just clarify for any new listeners or people that want to know what the fuck we're going on about. The FPL Stable Boys are basically players that hold a special place specifically in your heart. And this can be for essentially any reason. The more obscure, the better for us here because it gives us a chance to start talking about some obscure FPL references. And we kind of had cross wires this week in the sense that uh, Seamus was look. I think you were looking for nominations for possible inductees. I thought we were looking for nominations into our stable that we'd already created yeah. and we're looking for more stable boys but... and we got a shit ton of great suggestions as well yeah. uh, but what we actually want to do from here on in and it won't be every uh, every episode but we're going to save these uh, specials up is we want to start inducting the FPL community and their stable boy <laughs> clubs into into this uh, the FPL Hangover podcast and uh, Seamus do you want to give me a brief rundown so I can kind of have an example here I waited until you took a sip of water to ask you a question yeah <laughs> <laughs> of your initial inductees uh, of your stable boys 
Uh, so yeah, I'm always looking to add to my stable. Yep. My stable boys at the moment are Charlie Adam, who was unbelievable at Blackpool for that time. Then he went to Liverpool. One of the conditions of uh, stable boys, they can't have any Premier League titles Actually, or Champions League titles. That's a good point. I'll read out the conditions because uh, there is some. They can include players that are still af- uh, active in FPL. They don't have to uh, you know, be retired or anything. Uh, they must have actually been an FPL player in the sense that the game must have existed uh, you know, in their career. Yeah, no Dennis Irwins or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> um, they can't have won the Premier League. They can't have won the Champions League. They're not uh, eligible if they have received a goal golden boot or a golden glove other than that the choice is yours it's all good yeah so uh yeah as i said mine so far are charlie adam boom who uh who was just uh his corner kicks were 20 million alone yeah i believe is what the what fergie thought and um the other one i had then was breda hangeland fergie said that about charlie adam yeah when uh, Liverpool got him, he, he said when he was a free oh, yes. free agent or whatever he was but yeah why um, didn't he take him then I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't think he was a free agent. I think they bought him for ten million, and oh. he was saying that's a good piece of business. His corners were twenty million alone. Sarcastic. Or it might have been in the mid season. But yeah. I don't want to get focused on Charlie Adam because my main <laughs> stable boy, my first stable boy, was Breda Hangeland, and uh, it all came back to uh, just FPL seasons where he was great for a goal. Mm-hmm. You know, he was in a Fulham team. He was always priced at like four point five. He was always really cheap. Um, Fulham at that time had Van der Sar in goals, and they were they were decent for clean sheets as well. And uh, yeah, I always remember that game where he scored something like uh, two goals. Did he score two goals? I'm trying to. He scored two, or Dempsey scored. We definitely like should have done more research. Yeah, I couldn't even remember (laughs) the opposition they played, but uh, I think in that game he scored two goals. They lost four one. Um, I thought I came back from a game of football. Thought they'd lost a clean sheet. It's like damn. It's like who scored? I bet you De- yeah, they had lost. Sheet. I was like, I bet you that Dempsey Fecker now, who I don't have in my team, has, has got a hat trick here. Now Dempsey had scored a goal and got an assist or something like that, but I was delighted to see that Hangland had scored two, and I think you had both Hangland and Dempsey, so it was more of a boon for you really. But it, if I didn't have Hangland, I was goose, and that kind of kept our rivalry going to the end of the season. And I can't remember who won that season, but I believe you went to watch a Fulham match as well uh, when Hangland would have been playing. Is that I right? did? I saw actually. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Good, good, good brains are good thinking. Uh, I saw Arsenal play Fulham at the Emirates, like a season two after the Emirates opened. Man, yeah. that was like eight years ago. Yeah, Hangland would have been playing that game. So there you didn't go. do anything though, and as we got two goals. So your two stable boys are Hangland and Charlie Adam. They're pretty solid picks, uh, especially. Like, yeah, there's just uh, that Charlie Adam Blackpool season. That stands out. You know, he was one of those kind of uh, unique kind of seasons where no one expected it. And all of a sudden, and he never really had a become an option after that either. Even with Liverpool or Stoke, it was kind of like, meh, not really. Yeah, Nothing yeah. like that season. Yeah. Uh, considering Blackpool he did do, get relegated. He, there, like, yeah. he was kind of half an option there at Stoke for a while, but he never really justified his price he was never that expensive he was always about 5.5 yeah yeah. you know when he was at Stoke anyway so my two stable boys and you mentioned one of them there uh, Clint Dempsey uh, I think he is the first name that comes to a lot of minds when they're looking at these kind of these their, their options you know a player who's never won the Premier League but you know had an uh, outstanding kind of contribution spell and contribution yeah exactly so I mean he was a no brainer for me he was my first pick into the into the stable boys and uh, yeah I've seen his name pop up a few times in kind of suggestions for nominations and stuff that's no surprising my second name then was a bit 
bit more cheeky than I would have, you know, initially went for. But I think it, you know, uh, it kind of, it fits the bill. It doesn't break any of the rules. And I do have a, a lot of respect for him. Uh, he's Siggy Stardust himself, Mr. Gilfie Sigurdsson. He was my second pick. And uh, yeah, now it's gotten to that stage where, you know, we've left it long enough. We're kind of excited to add a new boy into the stable. Two two former Spurs players. Yeah. Didn't quite work out at Spurs and then went back off to uh, different clubs. But no, you're dead right. Giffy Sigerson is like almost the definition of a stable boy. Yeah. The work he did at Swansea was just A1. Yeah, no, he was. <laughs> he was. And he's gone around. Like, he's a, we've seen him at Reading. He did a, you know, he scored goals for Reading in the Premier League. He's uh, done stuff for Spurs. Everton now, do you know what I mean? He's had his, uh, he's a bit of a journeyman in terms of the FBL. We've seen him go around the place. Yeah, I can't even really remember him with Reading, if I'm honest. But, um, That's yeah. where it all started, man. <clears throat> I know, but I can't really remember him there. I mean, I do, like, I think of him, I think of him at Swansea. And uh, then, you know, obviously he went to Spurs for a season, didn't work out. And now at Everton. But even at Everton, like last season was an amazing season for him. So I think last season is what cemented it for you in, yeah. in, in your stable. I think because I didn't have him in all season. A man you, know? you can rely on. Yeah, a man you can rely on. Man exactly. for all seasons. So with that in mind, Seamus, your latest addition, you're opening the stable door and you're welcoming him right in. Who is it? Okay, well, had a lot of different thoughts on this, but I've decided I'm going to go with Leighton Baines. Oh, that's a good pick. Yeah. Um, years back, he was like the he, he was, was the Trent Alexander. He was the Trent. Well, he was probably the Dinya. <laughs> he was more like Dinya because he would get a lot of assists, but mostly uh, free kicks and penalties and stuff like that. When he got his goals, he was on set pieces, took penalties, so you never knew when he was his goals were going to come up. He would get some goals from from open play occasionally, but even fun. if they lost, it was always a chance from uh, a whipped in ball and get a clean sheet. So, like I remember some big calls I remember having him and loving him I remember yeah. not having him and hating him uh, I think that's the definition like he he did a good face heel turn really well you did you know yeah. uh, in those circumstances so like you get 15 points from him one week you get 21 points another week yeah he was he was gold in FPL for a while and his price went up as high as like 8 million one season I think well, I think it was 7.5 7.5 the max yeah. uh, 7 or 7.5 I don't think I ever saw him at 8 million that and was he was crazy. worth it he was. Uh, I think that actually that season he might have got injured, which, uh, you know, after a couple of months, yeah. so that kind of scuppered it. But that just goes to show how uh, lethal he was as a fullback option for Everton at that time. And you know what, James? That's a fantastic pick. Mr. Leighton Baines, I hope you enjoy your stay. There is plenty of hay in the corner. And, James, you said you were going to bring in some, some buckets of water. Am I right? Buckets of water. I've gone too far with this analogy. Yeah, it's gone way too far. It's actually, you got me right, and I'm like, I'm writing down <laughs> L Baines before I forget he's part of my stable. I am constantly going down these rabbit holes, and it's just like, fuck. Where am I going yeah, I'm just not paying attention. No, no, I'm writing this down. No, it's a great pick, and I had see now yours is such a decent pick that my almost my troll pick uh, is is starting to look a bit weak. And so I had two options this week. But I had that last week with Charlie Adams. Uh, la- the end of last season with Charlie Adams. I picked Charlie Adams and you'd pick Sigurdsson. I was like, damn, Sigurdsson's so much better than Adams. Yeah. But I have his place in my heart for Adams, so he has to come in. Well, that's the thing. And that's the essence of the stable boys. It's not about the points hauls. It's not about any of... Uh, and I think that's why I've actually just made my mind up as I'm talking. But it's not about the points hauls. It's not about... Uh, 
uh, anything like that. It's not about which five players would get you, you know, the most uh, fucking points if you only had them. It's about men you can trust. It's about men you can trust. It's about the men that you take into battle with you. And that's why I've added no other than Mr. John Joe Shelby to my stable. I can't believe you're adding John Joe Shelby to your stable. I've never even owned him in the (laughs) FPL. But I was thinking about it and I was looking for these kind of absurd... Uh, unspoken FPL ghosts. You know, these players that like we've seen for years. Uh, Is he a ghost? It's more he, of a Voldemort. Yeah, well, you know, he. yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, either way. Just looks-wise. He looks-wise, he's a Voldemort, but uh, I think FPL actions-wise, he's a bit of a ghost. Every now and again, he comes back with a, a spooky uh, reminder of what he's capable of. But uh, he's a man that I've picked for no other reason than, I think he scored two weeks ago. Was it? Yeah, he uh, scored a couple of weeks ago. Scored a couple of weeks ago, and I was just thinking to myself, this fucking lad. You know, even when he's not kind of, you know, starting anymore, or whatever the case may be with him, you still see him popping up in the FBL points charts every now and again. Do you know? Like, who got the goal in the points this week? And he's like, John Joshevi, how many years have I been seeing this? Yeah. And I think for that alone, he is deserved of a spot in my stable boys. I think he'll also keep Clint Dempsey and Goofy Sigurdsson in line. He seems like you love a, a midfielder. I've got two defenders and a midfielder. You've got three midfielders. No yeah. forwards yet. No forwards yet. We see it's tough, isn't it, to kind of pick a forward. Like we've had some good options this week, uh, and there was a few kind of bouncing around the head. I know Tom Mariarty mentioned Darren Bent. Yeah, he, he definitely did. popped into my mind uh, for a brief period. I was like, yeah, he was definitely. Uh, an I thought option. he was going to be your pick. Yeah, no, my my close runner and one that's you know there uh, probably will get inducted at some stage is Michu. Um, Michu, yeah. Again, for similar reasons as your Charlie Adam pick, like there was just that one season where uh, he came in as was it a five point five midfielder? Yeah, and he was playing as a forward for Swansea. <laughs> See, I think Price has to play a factor in these things. That's why I can kind of get the John Joe Shelby one. He's not going to be tearing it up, but you know, at the same time, he's not priced at seven eight million. No, he's like always in the 5.5 bracket. Yeah, exactly. And he's never been worth it. (laughs) Even at at 5.5, he's absolutely never been worth it uh, as an FPL. You can set your watch by him. Exactly. Literally, if you just put him under the sun at a certain time of day. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have no problem. But uh, he's my pick. And what we want to do going forward is we want to encourage... Probably already said this. But we want to encourage any listeners that have their own stable boys... To reach out to us, like we won't be doing this every single week, but the plan is to basically gather a collection of everyone's group of stable boys and players that mean something to them. And as you can see by my John Joe Shelby pick, he doesn't actually need to have been a successful FBL option. He just needs to tickle your fancy. No, we've got a few examples this from players <clears throat> this week. Now they didn't come out with like full stables, all of them. I think we have one but, though, right? Um, we've got we've got this one here from uh. Kean Cronin, he was uh, number one in Ireland last year. So yeah, uh, at FPL uncorked, and uh, he's he's got he's understood the spirit of the stable boys, and he's oh, gone big time. and chosen Graham Alexander, former Burnley player, used to take penos. Was actually I think he was playing in midfield. Now maybe he was in defence. I can't remember, but I believe he might have been out of position. I think he could have been like a holding midfielder. I think that at least was in it. some he was, games. He was playing ahead of the defenders, but he was. Uh, on their set PC, take penalties. And he actually was, his name came up in a, in conversation a few times. FPL Ferry also mentioned him. But Graham Alexander had seven goals one season from 33 games. Yeah. And that was his only season in the Premier League, I believe. He got relegated that year and he went back down to the championship. 
and he, I think he used to, I think if I remember correctly, he used to have that kind of long hair and sport headband. I could be completely wrong now. Oh, I don't know. In but, my head, I'm picturing short hair, but yeah. blonde. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I, I think he kind of looks like a uh, Scandinavian, what's his name? That guy, uh, Boyd, was it Boyd that used to play with uh, Burnley as well? well? Yeah, in Hull and whatnot. Yeah, but anyway, that yeah, and that guy, that's yeah. the guy I'm talking about. He looked like a Scandinavian version of him. We spent so long looking at the numbers, we didn't actually look up any images of this. Uh, of no, players. we did, but it shows what he looks like now, he's hair short. So anyway, he was um, he was mentioned for getting a 21-point haul off some people's benches, no less, uh, in that particular season where he scored two goals and a clean sheet and obviously then would get the max bonus. So, uh, yeah, 21 points. He's basically, um, you know, a John Lundstrom tribute act. Or maybe John Lundstrom is uh, Alexander uh, tribute act. I don't know. Be but uh, he definitely has found his way into a lot of people's hearts for that one season. And I, I, he was somebody I thought of. Because really? I was thinking of Leighton Baines. I was thinking defenders who score penalties. And, uh, yeah, I don't think he missed any. The other person in um, Keane's... Stable. And it's, only a, it's only a, a two-person stable, and the second one was David Weeter. Yes, remember I that do. man for Middlesbrough when he was in the Premier League, and I do remember this guy. When I heard that, I was like, "Oh, no, that's that fucking lad who scored a rake of headers uh, one season." And yeah, yeah, he's been in the Premier League a few times. Middlesbrough. He was Bolton. in there with yeah, but uh, Bolton as well as the other team. Now I don't think he ever reached the standards of Bolton. Maybe now Keane remembers him from Bolton, but I remember from Middlesbrough. And I do remember like one spell there, and I had I definitely had him on my team. Where over the course of like ten games, he you know like five clean sheets and a goal, and it was like, look, this is remarkable for whatever I got him for four point five, and uh, yeah, he was doing the business. I don't nine uh, goals in one hundred and forty appearances for a centre back for Middlesbrough. Uh, it's not too bad. One in one, one in fourteen. Ah, uh, that's about average for a defender. Yeah, either way, FPL, he did have that kind of storm of a season. And again, you kind of talked about price, and he was cheap as chips. Yeah. So I think that was where a lot of those kind of fond memories are coming back for me from, uh, you know, with David Wheeler. Looking at his stats there, there was that one season where he got three goals. That must be the season I'm thinking of. That's 07 and 08. Long time ago now. But yeah, that's, uh, that's how back, far back we go. So yeah, I think those are two good picks, and that is the spirit of uh, the... Uh, the stable boys yeah so i mean anyone can submit it there's no fucking uh you know big deal with it uh but and in regards to keen's uh picks there if you want to change them because we kind of just took them <laughs> we're yeah. like this is we, we need this is the start of he's got stable. room you can have a, st- a stable can have like five five is that what it can have so yeah. you can add to that key and now make sure you fill that out into a nice nice stable if you want to put in a forward maybe yeah, uh, add an extension out the back. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I'm getting too lost in the metaphor of an actual stable now. Uh, <laughs> it's just a barren in my head. Yeah. And we're putting players in corners. But uh, yeah, no, that's brilliant. Thanks for that, lads. And yeah, as I said, anyone that wants to maybe kind of have their own stable boy and, you know, have us discuss it, hit us reach up. out, hit us up. You can get us on Twitter at FBL Hangover. Before we go, we've got a section that we skipped over last week uh, because we wanted to save it for this episode. We're right on the edge of game week 13. We're going to quickly shove our balls to the wall. All right, so starting with game week 12 results, which we didn't announce last week, we have, uh, yeah, I went first with my hot shots. Now I went a bit off track a bit. Um, you said you were surprised that you were able to get both of your picks here. Your first two picks were Vardy and Abraham. Yeah. I went with Rashford as my first pick. Then you went Vardy and Abraham, and I went uh, Jimenez. 
And now Rashford only got five points because he only got the one goal and he was booked. But that was so close to being like Three a goals. double digit. Yeah, yeah. so close <laughs> to being a hat trick. The guy A missed a, a tap in. Then he also so he missed two big chances. He three in total. He scored one, but he, he missed two big chances. So he didn't get any bonus for missing those chances. So he ended up with a five points. Jimenez got his standard goal, and then when he gets a goal, he gets a tree bonus. So uh, that was 14 points for me. Uh, you had Vardy and Abraham, who both scored. Vardy got an assist as well, and they got bonus. So your 20 points beats my 14. Boom. I just really feel like if Rashford got one more goal, he would have got the tree bonus, and yeah. you know that would have been 21. I would have just I would have squeaked it, but well, no, he's finishing. I, I knew he was on for a big game, though. It just didn't translate to FPL points. He had a great game. Well, if my aunt had balls, Seamus. Yeah. Uh, but that puts me ahead now. I think I'm, what, 5-4 in hot shots? Six, uh, I don't have it written down. I think you're right, though. I think you're ahead by one or maybe even two. I think I could be ahead by two now. I'm yeah. pretty sure I went ahead I think you might have been ahead last week. So that brings us to Puck Fathers. I'm not sure if this counts as a win for me, but I did score more points, so maybe it does. Uh, you had Pereira for Watford, and we mentioned at the time, maybe yeah. you should be looking at Jerry D. Right. Delefeu, but... You were adamant. Only I was one, adamant. Only, only one Jerry. You didn't trust another man called Jerry. No, and I was wrong because uh, it was uh, similar to last season when I did pick Jerry and he got a hat-trick. He went off and got another massive haul game week 12. Yeah. Uh, and Pereira actually went off injured inside the first 20 minutes or something Yeah, like he that. went off early. So that was a bit of a, that was a bit of a kick in the nuts. But, you know, I'm going to count it as a win for you, Seamus. I got one point from Pereira. You got two points from a man you already mentioned this episode. Yeah, Nathan Redmond. Um, still kind of waiting for him to pick up where he went left off last year, last season. Um, it's not really been happening. I should have went for Ings, who scored. Uh, but sure, look, didn't matter anyway. I guess I technically won that 2-1. That, that feels like a cheap win. I don't even know if Ings would have been eligible. He's probably owned by more than 5%, no? Uh, I would be surprised if he is. I'd be surprised. I don't think he is. I think I checked this afterwards and I said, damn, I could have actually picked him. I just don't think I thought of it. Probably forgot for that reason. So you can chalk up a win there for you in the puck fathers. Yeah. A cheap one, but a win nonetheless. A win nonetheless. Uh, Breen Sheets, how did we get on last week? Um, So you were a bit unlucky in that you probably picked the only Newcastle defender that didn't do anything last week. Fernandez got an assist. Uh, who was it? Uh, Clark scored. Yedlin scored. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Lascelles, who went off injured and got one point, his replacement, Guthrie, got a clean sheet. He was the only Newcastle defender to get a clean sheet. So. I really, really nailed my, <laughs> my big sheet pick. Actually. Just the wrong defender. I mean, I guess you could have picked, uh, what's he, the goalkeeper, Dubrovnik? Dubrov- no, yeah. Dubrovka. Yeah, Dubrovnik yeah. is the capital of fucking Croatia. Croatia. Yeah. It's not the capital. Uh, oh, yeah, it's just a tourist resort. You're right. Yeah. Uh, but I went with Pope. Um, who got nine points, uh, clean sheet, and a couple of bonus as well, and some, uh, some save points. So that was uh, that was a good win. So I was very happy to see you win green sheets because <laughs> we both had Pope. So yeah. uh, for in our actual teams, so yeah. fuck it. If you're coming away with a win out of that and nine points, I'll, I'll I, I can you know in make the, that bet. In the green sheets, it's only um, it's only a win if we both blank, but I win like two one or something like that. It ain't a win. Okay, it's yeah. only if you get a clean sheet or bonus or attack yeah. returns. If you don't get the clean sheet or if you don't get any attack returns, then you didn't fucking suggest anyone. I'm <laughs> actually sickened that Pope's nine points was matched by Matt Ryan for Brighton, who also got nine points for getting three bonus points. Yeah, we can talk about that last week, and yeah, that was a uh, that was a fucking pain in the ass. I mean, I don't know what's going on this year with bonus points and goalkeepers, but if your team loses three one, you didn't fucking do a good job. Do you know, yeah. uh, I know you mightn't have been default for the goals, but 
I don't care if you made a shit ton of saves. You still lost 3-1. He made nine saves. A lot of them were after, like, the 65th minute when United were, like, already 2-3-1 up. Yeah. yeah, it was, like, that's where a lot of United's attack came in the last 20 minutes. And, yeah, he did make some good saves, but he just stopped it from being a paddling. You but know? I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's annoying. It's frustrating as a pub owner to see those with that have stuck through, uh, stuck with Ryan to, you know, kind of pick up those points as well. What, but look, the, I'll just mention that briefly. One of the things I've I've uh, read but haven't actually looked into myself is that apparently he's um, getting the passing bonus for making so many passes now because they're playing a lot shorter at the back because they're playing with three centre-halves, obviously. So kind of like reminiscent of when Heaton was with Burnley. Yeah, they're not going long as much. So, well, when with Burnley, like the defenders... Were kind of they were going long the whole time and they were getting the bonus because they were making lots of headers and uh, stuff oh, like that okay. and the keepers weren't getting bonus but the uh, defenders were I've remembered it Arsenal so. yeah you've remembered it wrong but that's <laughs> the reason why um, but yeah in this now they're passing around a whole lot more so he's getting a lot more touches so he's getting whatever it is what's it like 60 passes I make 60 you. passes it gives you like three BPS in the thing so so that's adding up it's adding to it yeah but look that brings us on to this week's I believe yeah and you had first picked this week I did so that means I get pick one and I'm going with a man that we've mentioned quite a bit already in the podcast he's someone that I will be captain this week Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang I think at home to Southampton it doesn't need to be a whole lot more said Arsenal need uh, to fucking get their shit together pretty quickly and I don't see a better fixture or than Southampton right now in their you know foreseeable future. Maybe next week. Maybe away to Norwich. Maybe away to uh, Norwich. I'm counting on it being this week. And uh, yeah, Habamyang's my first pick. They're much better at home as well. Like I, I trust an Arsenal forward at home. Away, not so much. Maybe against Norwich, but uh, yeah, at home definitely. Uh, I can't decide who I'm going to captain this week so far. If I do get Mane in, he's a potential option. The other is Vardy. So they're my next two picks. Vardy and Mane. Yeah. But yeah, it really could be anyone. I'm not really sure. Part of me is kind of thinking maybe... I've seen people discussing it. I'm like, yeah, you know what? This could be a good week for that. Trent Alexander-Arnold could be a good option. I don't know. But I'm going to... Anyway, my two picks are Vardy and Mane. Um, they're solid. Those picks. are the two. I think they're they're solid, but I don't really know. They could both easily blank as well. It's a tough one. You've got... I think Aubameyang is the standout captain choice uh, yeah i think he's like one of the top uh top rated players for uh you know to likely to concede or to score a goal this weekend mm. he's up there with aguero and whatnot now Seamus, i'm going to change the table on you a little bit here i'm going to turn the table a little bit more should i say and i had picked marcial but as the podcast has gone on i'm just thinking i want to kind of take a chance on this new manager bounce that we spoke of Okay. And I'm going to change Martial, who did have an away match against Sheffield United, who, you know, I was kind of being a bit, letting my Man United kind of bias take over a little bit there. I think so. Yeah, and it was a bit of a weak pick, and as it's gone on, I'm thinking, do you know what, I'm going, I'll stick away, because I like picking away matches, I don't know why, but I'm going Harry Kane. I okay. think uh, he's fit, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like you never know with that guy, but uh, yeah, I'm thinking, fuck it, he's gonna he, come in. He's gonna want to start off this uh, Mourinho era in in a bit of form, maybe. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him. I think yeah, penalties as well, like so. Exactly, exactly. This with um, West Ham usually play well against Spurs, but it's really hard to tell. I think West Ham have been so shit lately. They've been so bad. I expect them to raise their game and beat Spurs now, but <laughs> no. If if they had Pochettino, you could expect that. But with the with Jose. 
Uh, Jose, I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, Kane could be a good pick. I wasn't really loving that Martial pick, even though he's in great form. Yeah, um, I kind of... So that might be a better option for you. Maybe I picked up on your vibes and that kind of dismissive look you gave me when I picked Martial. But yeah, so I'm going with Kane. He's my four pick. So we've basically listed out Alba, Kane, Vardy and Mane as our four hot shots for this week. That brings us to Puck Fathers, Seamus. And you had first pick of Puck Fathers? I'm first pick. You had first pick last week. And I'm doing the classic who are Norwich playing? Let me get one of the attackers for the opposite team and that is Everton so I've gone for Sigurdsson because Richardson is outside the 5% bracket that we cut off we have yep. I've gone for Sigurdsson um, stable boy Seamus stable boy <laughs> keeping on team it's almost like we planned all this but we haven't uh, he is kind of seemingly I think back in the team now that Gomez is out injured um, so he's kind of had that you know, behind the strike kind of roll like back in again. Or maybe he loses it again, but at least the last game he was back in. So I think he's going to continue there again because I don't think... I Looking at their fixtures coming up, Everton's fixtures, they have got four... Hor- was it five horrible fixtures after this uh, Norwich game? Yeah, almost the anti-fixture list that you did earlier on. It yeah. was like, we just looked at it. It was like, lovely fixture this week. Nice match. Uh, or a nice uh, game against Norwich. But then Leicester away, Liverpool away, Chelsea at home, Man United away. And I think there might be some shitty ones after it. Yeah, and I don't think Marco Silva wants to be losing that. So this is an important game to win. So I expect um, some goals and I expect Sigurdsson to get involved. Brilliant. And my puck father is... I'm returning to a man who we started the season with and really disappointed us uh i was very angry but you know time heals all wounds and i've kind of stepped back a bit now and i'm willing to give him another shot diego jota uh wolves at home our way to bournemouth bournemouth aren't exactly uh fucking you know much of an opposition uh at the moment if you ask me uh unless i'm united of course and um yeah i think wolves are on good form he scored in the international break jota did or i think he might have technically got an assist but uh he was um he was you know playing well for Portugal and uh, is he Portuguese? He's Portuguese. I'm taking it the right. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, fuck, I don't know. I hope I'm not mixing that up. But either way, uh, I've seen his name titled around the place, and I think he's got a nice fixture this week. I'm putting my colours to the mast, and I'm going with Diego Jota. He's surely Portuguese. Half that team is Portuguese. Yeah, yeah. It's, it would be Hata, Yata, if he was Spanish, but he pronounces the J because he's yeah. Portuguese. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So Hot, there you go. That's zero. The yeah, Sevilla guy is Hata. And with that segue, we'll move on to our Breen Sheets. Yeah. And I have picked an Astonville defender. I've gone for Gilbert. Yeah. Or Gilbert, or whatever you pronounce his name. He's been tipping away this season, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been lucky in that he's got a couple of his uh, clean sheets that other Astonville defenders haven't got because he's come off after 65 minutes in some yeah. games, things like that. Um, picked he's up got, a couple of assists. He's got a few assists. And uh, I think this uh, could be a good chance for Astonville to pick up a clean sheet or a, a win hopefully, for their fans because they've got a couple of tough games coming up there. They're not great away from home. And after this Newcastle game, it is uh, Man United and Chelsea. So I fancy them to keep it tight. If not, then, you know, there could be uh, trouble for their manager. I think that's a good pick. I think at home, uh, it's Newcastle. As you said, Newcastle aren't exactly lethal going forward. And uh, no, I think that's a solid pick. I've gone with a player that we talked about already on the podcast, uh, Callum Chambers. He's 4.4. He is playing in a back three at the moment. So hopefully this isn't the week that Emery decides he's going to go back to 4-4-fucking-2 or playing forward to back, whatever way he wants to do it. Uh, I'm hoping he kind of sticks these guns and Callum Chambers gets another run out because I, do t- I don't see Southampton scoring. And uh, yeah, it's, it's weird going for an Arsenal uh, Breen sheet, but 
that's the choice of them. Yeah, there's <laughs> isn't a whole lot of good options this week. I mean, Everton has a was a good choice for Breen Sheep, but there's no one in their team that's yeah. under five million that we can pick. Very so. expensive defense, and mm. I think you can thank their run at the end of last season. But yeah, we were surprised that like everyone's five point three, five point one and above kind of thing. Yeah, even Sadibi, who yeah. um, who's kind of but didn't start off the season it's still a, still a 5.3 yeah. yeah them's are the picks them's are the picks we hope you like them uh, thank you for listening everyone we would like you to listen every week if that was possible <laughs> we'd be much appreciated but if you can't you can always reach us out uh, reach out to us on twitter at FBL Hangover. you can also send us an email at fblhangover at gmail uh, anyone that wants to shout out a stable boys day probably your two best picks but you can also reach Seamus on twitter yeah I'm at FPL Drunk all feedback appreciated as long as it's positive yeah no negative feedback we don't deal with that well it sends us into a shame spiral but we'd like to thank you for listening lads enjoy game week 13 yeah and uh, hope your hours are green God bless